Hello, welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And tonight, we want to study from Psalm 59. Psalm 59 sounds like an individual lament at points. In verses 1 through 4, in particular, we will see that particular characteristic of the Psalms. But there are other places in the Psalm, for example, in verse 5, Awake to punish all the nations where there seems an element of community lament. In verse 8, But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You scoff at the nations. But either way, the idea is lament. This is a psalm of David. As you see in the heading, For the choir director set to Al-Tasheth, Al-Tasheth, you have seen that particular wording, Altashheth, or the English Standard Version says, Do not destroy, which may be the tune of the song to which it was sung. We've seen that heading in Psalm 57, Psalm 58, and now in Psalm 59. It is said to be a mictum of David. We see that title from Psalms 56 through 60. And it says, When Saul sent men, and they watched the house in order, sent men to David, and they watched the house in order to kill him. Now, that is an event recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 1, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 19, verses 11 through 17. 1 Samuel 19, 11 through 17. And there Saul is waiting to kill David or sends men to watch for David. But Michael, Saul's daughter and David's wife, helps David to escape. Now we're going to break this psalm up into two stanzas. In verses 1 through 10 and verses 11 through 17. And I want you to notice these themes that are constantly intertwined in Psalm 59. First of all, there is a description of the enemies, a description of those who are seeking David's life. Secondly, the Bible describes David himself. For example, after describing his enemies in verses 1 through 3, he claims his innocence in verses 3 and 4. He places his trust in God in verse 9 and in verse 16, and he will continue to praise God in verse 16. So in this psalm, David describes his enemies. David describes himself or speaks about himself. And the text emphasizes the urgency of his plea. For example, in verses 1 and 2, there will be four imperatives that will be used. The urgency of David's plea is stressed. And then also, and most importantly, his description of God. Who is the God to whom David turns and David prays in the midst of his crisis? But I want you to notice the description of the enemies, the description of David, and the urgency of his plea as we read verses 1 through 4. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Set me securely on high. 
away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity, and save me from men of bloodshed. For behold, they set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me, not for my transgression, not for my sin, O Lord. For no guilt of mine they run and set themselves against me. Arouse yourself to help me and see. Now looking at these passages of Scripture, we see again the men who are opposing David. We see a description of his enemies. They are described in the first line as his enemies, verse 1. They are described as those who rise against him in verse 1. In verse 2, as those who do iniquity. And then in verse 2, as men of bloodshed. They're dangerous men. They're violent men. In verse 3, they set an ambush for his life. In verse 3, they are also described as fierce men. This particular word, translated fierce, is translated strong in Exodus 14, 21, in Numbers 13, 28, in Judges 14, verse 14, and verse 18. This word can be translated strong. It can be translated mighty, as in Isaiah 19, verse 4. Or it can be translated raging, in reference to waters, in Nehemiah 9, in verse 11. These fierce, strong, mighty, raging men are seeking to destroy David. And they are enthusiastic in this quest. Notice in verse 4, they run and set themselves against me. That word run, as used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation, is the same word used in Luke fifteen twenty to talk about the father of the prodigal running to greet him. The same enthusiasm with which God greets the sinner who is coming back home is the same kind of zeal with which they run after David in an effort to take his life. The description of David's enemies in these verses is striking. But notice his description of himself in these verses. In verse 3, It is not for my transgression, nor for my sin, for no guilt of mine they run and set themselves against me. Not for my sin, not for my iniquity, not for my transgression. David is not guilty. His enemies are strong and they are violent. But he is innocent. And the pain of his situation leads him to cry out to God for urgent deliverance. As we stated earlier in verses 1 and 2, the words deliver, set me on high, deliver, and save are all imperatives in the Hebrew language. He is begging God to come to his aid and to come to his aid quickly. He asks God in verse 4, arouse yourself. It, it is as if God is sleeping and he begs God to hear his cry. Arouse yourself to my help. In verse 5, David uses the term you and it's emphatic. You, you 
O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel. Awake to punish the nations. Do not be gracious to any who are treacherous in iniquity. Selah. He addresses God specifically, and he calls upon God to punish those who are wicked, and he begs God, do not be gracious to them. While God is gracious, God is merciful to David, or David pleads such. In Psalm 56, 1, in Psalm 57, 1, he says, Lord, don't be gracious to these wicked men. And he describes these enemies, these wicked men, in verses 6 and 7, as they return at evening, they howl like a dog, they go around the city. Behold, they belch forth with their mouths, swords are in their lips, and they say, who knows? You notice that verse 6 is basically repeated in verse 14. This serves as a refrain in the psalm, a description of the enemies like a pack of wild dogs who have gone around the city looking to do damage, and their mouths are pouring forth their wickedness. The words that's used to describe the pouring forth of the heavens of the glory of God in Psalm 19, 1 and 2 is used to describe how the wicked pours forth wickedness with their mouth. Swords are in their lips, as we saw in 57 verse 4, and they say, who hears? They don't, want, don't believe anyone will call them to account. But in verse 8, you, and again the you is emphatic in addressing God, you, O Lord, laugh at them and scoff at the nations. In Psalm 2, verse 4, both the verbs used here, laugh and scoff, are used there. In both cases, as people lift themselves in defiance of God, God laughs. God scoffs at these people who think they can challenge Him, their Creator. Now, I don't want you to think that's the only picture of God in Scripture. God grieves over our sin, Genesis 6 and verse 6. And Jesus weeps over the city of Jerusalem in Luke 19 in verse 41. Jesus weeps over the city. But if we think we can lift our fist in defiance of him and accomplish anything, he laughs. He scoffs. And the Bible tells us in verse 9, Because of his strength, I will watch for you, for God is my stronghold. My God in his loving kindness will meet me, and God will not let him look triumphantly. Or God will let me look triumphantly upon my foes. He puts his trust in God. God is his stronghold. The wording of verse 9 is largely repeated in verse 17. God is my stronghold. And God shows loving kindness. God's loving kindness is perhaps his key attribute in this particular psalm. Mentioned in verse 10 in verse 16, and in verse 17. One of the things I think interesting is this statement in verse 9, I will watch for you. Now again, this shows us about who David is 
I will watch for you. He is a man who trusts in God, who waits for God, and who has made God his stronghold. But the verb translated watch was used in the title of the psalm, where it emphasizes that Saul's men were watching David's house in order to kill him. Saul's men were watching for David in an effort to kill him. But in verse 9, David is watching for God. What are we watching for? Where are we looking? He's looking to God. He's watching for God, who is my stronghold. Most Hebrew words have three letters, and the root is often expressed by a noun and a verb. It's interesting that the word translated stronghold in verse 9 and in verse 17 is the same Hebrew root that's used as a verb in verse 1, where David said, set me on high, or set me securely on high. God is our stronghold, and God can set us out of the way of danger and destruction. In verse 11, we have an imprecatory element in the second section of this psalm. Verses 11 through 13 stress this by saying, Do not slay them, or my people will forget. Scatter them by your power, and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. On account of the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be caught in their pride, and on account of their curses and lies which they utter. Destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they may be that they may be no more, that men may know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Salah. Do not slay them. Now that may sound like an interesting request in verse eleven. Do not slay them. He's not asking for mercy upon them, but he's asking that God not kill them all at once but that God scatter them. God scatter them. God does, he doesn't want God to kill them all at once, lest his people forget. He wants them to be living witnesses to the reality of God's retribution as they stagger to the realm of the dead. That line was encouraged by Marvin Tate in his commentary on the Psalms. The Lord is our shield, and Lord, you bring them down, but not suddenly, lest we forget. And God, bring them down because of the lies and curses which they utter in verse 12. Verse 12 again speaks of how they use their tongue destructively, the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, and pray, prays that they may be captured in their pride. In verse 13, destroy them in their wrath, destroy them in wrath, that they may be no more, that all may know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. This prayer of imprecation, this calling down of a curse upon the foe in verses in verse 13 is just like Psalm 58, verses 10 and 11, so that all men may know that God is God and that God judges wickedness. 
Again, verse 14 is the same as verse 6. They return at evening. They howl like a dog. They go around the city. In verse 15, they wander about for food and growl if they are not satisfied. There is some debate as to the Hebrew root behind the word growl. But some suggest, most suggest, that it's the same root behind the word murmur, to talk about Israel murmuring and complaining in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 15, 24, in Numbers 14, verse 2, among other places. But I want you to notice the strong contrast. The I in verse 6 is emphatic. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. While the enemy is never satisfied and is growling and murmuring, David is singing God's praise. He's singing his praise. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning, for you have been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to you, for God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. While the wicked may growl, David will praise, and David will put his trust in God. There's more that we could say about Psalm 59. It is a little longer, and we won't read the whole psalm again. But how does this psalm speak of Jesus? We talked about David speaking of how ferocious his enemies are in verses 1 through 4, in verse 6, in verse 14. His enemies are ferocious. Jesus faced enemies just as ferocious and more so. The enemies that Jesus faced were more ferocious than those that David faced. David spoke of himself in the psalm. David spoke of his innocence in verses 3 and 4. David wasn't as innocent as Jesus was innocent. The enemies of Psalm 59 that David faced were like Jesus faced. The innocence that he claims in verses 3 and 4 was true of Jesus in a greater sense than it was ever true of David. And just as David puts his trust in God and makes God his stronghold, so Jesus does. Jesus puts his trust in God. The difficulty in understanding the depth of the life of Christ is to see that he is both the God in whom we trust and he put his trust in his Father. He was God and man. That thought is greater than our minds can grasp. Is God your stronghold? Is God the one who will meet you in loving kindness? We thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you.